I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. In this episode, I interview Chris Engen, who is board certified in holistic nutrition and has an advanced certificate in recovery nutrition coaching. Chris and I will be discussing how to use good nutrition and natural supplements, specifically targeted amino acid therapy, to stabilize brain chemistry, which is what will elevate your mood and eliminate your cravings. The cravings that lead us to overconsume alcohol, not be able to handle stress, want to eat a bunch of sugar or just shove anything in our mouths, whatever, any self-defeating coping mechanism. You don't need willpower, you need stable brain chemistry so that you have a natural sensation of feeling connected and grounded and positive. This is what is happening in our brain. And so much of us just mistake what we go through and what we struggle with as a reflection of who we are or you know that we're a mess or we're weak. Also in this interview, Chris and I do a deep dive into the beliefs that led to our disordered eating. We both share our own stories and how that disordered eating and destabilized brain chemistry leads to subsequent substance abuse. They fuel each other. I think women of any age will benefit from this episode because we're going to expose the mechanisms that lead us into cycles of self-abuse. We explain why so many of us come to the conclusion that we're just messed up. We get diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder or depression or bipolar or whatever other new diagnosis the pharmaceutical industry invents to explain our symptoms. But so much of our disorders, our symptoms, our products of the way we're living due to misinformed beliefs that we've all grown up with. You know, I've been diagnosed with almost all of the problems at some point in my life and prescribed many of the drugs that are on the market and none of it did me any good. It just sucked me further down the drain. So the good news is that I'm now a stable and happy and sober human being because I know how to take care of my brain and my body, as well as counteract the fears that come from everything we're being told that what's going to make us fat and, you know, you got to avoid getting older. I feel better at 50 than I did at 15 or 25 or 35 or 45. And so can you. So I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's start with, you know, your name is Chris Engin. 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 Yeah. So maybe just tell me a little bit about your background, who you are, what you do. So yeah, hello everybody. Hi, Colleen, good to see you. I'm Chris Engen. I am the founder of Nutrition for Recovery. It's my online business where I help people use nutrition and targeted amino acids to balance their brains. Brain balance helps with 
mood, a natural way to feel balanced and happy and focused and thriving without using pharmaceuticals and also helps with addiction recovery because with addiction, we are often self-medicating those symptoms, those mood symptoms. So by using food, using amino acids, we can balance our brains so we don't have the symptoms that lead to us grabbing our drug of choice. I have a, a board certified in holistic nutrition. I have a level two certification as a, let's see, certified recovery nutrition coach, which I also like to say amino acid therapist, because that's another way that people can identify with with what that role is. So I'm highly trained in helping people identify which targeted amino acids to use for each of their symptoms so they can achieve that brain balance. How did you come into recovery yourself? Maybe just a little bit about your personal background, um, the highlights of your recovery story. You know, what was life like? What brought you in? How did you do it? What does your recovery look like today? Sure. I had struggled a good 10 years where I realized my drinking was a problem. Um, I was a binge drinker, so it was harder for me to identify as labeling myself as an alcoholic, comparing myself to other people and their drinking habits. I knew in my heart that it wasn't a healthy drinking pattern, but I had a lot of people around me that were telling me it wasn't a problem. Um, so I was kind of always going back and forth on, should I quit? Shouldn't I quit? Well, fast forward, then there came a time that I really did want to stop. I was starting to have negative consequences in my life. It became very clear that alcohol was not working for me. And I thought I would be able to stop because, hey, I can do anything, you know, a very high achieving person, straight A's, you know, a decorated athlete and um, feel like superwoman a lot of the times, yet I could not get in front of it. It was a, a constant battle of self-sabotage. Um, I didn't know why I wasn't able to completely quit drinking. I tried everything. I tried all of the talk therapy, 12-step um, programs, mm. all of the traditional modalities that they, they offer. I didn't go to rehab, but I did seek help uh, through my HMO in yeah. an outpatient situation and they didn't talk about food or nutrition at all. And ironically, I was in school. I had gone back to school as a second career for holistic nutrition. I'd always, always been interested in nutrition and psychology. That's not what I majored in, in college. I actually am an econ major, um, but it's always been something I was interested in. And so in 2016, I decided to make a change in my career path and I went back to school at the same time, still struggling with trying to quit for good. And there was a huge aha moment in course of my schooling where I realized that I had never identified that to me, food was always um, more for your, you know, it was for your body. It was for, Oh, am I thin or am I fat? I never thought of, food is medicine. You know, it was something to be controlled. As much as I thought I knew about nutrition and health, 
the way I had been looking at it was not from a health standpoint at all. It was from a vanity standpoint, if you will. And I certainly never thought about feeding my brain. Never. We use the external metric of our weight to determine how healthy our diet is because I've been skinny and also a plant-based diet and a marathon runner. And I go sweat buckets in hot yoga, you know, and I swallow enough supplements as a drinker, you know, I was swallowing enough supplements to open my own health food store. And (laughs) honestly, a lot of that behavior, the motivation, especially the more I drank, it really was because I thought I could balance out the bad with the good. I thought that Good behavior cancels bad. And I think that in our culture, you know, well, you can have the piece of cake if you're going running and you can have the drink as long as you're doing all the other things. So would you say that your troubles with alcohol in hindsight were caused by poor nutrition or that alcohol itself was depleting your nutrition? I mean, were you not eating a healthy diet or was it just the effects of alcohol over time? I always believed I was eating a healthy diet as a child brought up in the seventies, you know, with the fat free is healthy calories in calories out theory for me, like you said, also being an endurance athlete, as long as I was balancing my calories, I felt like I was being healthy But in retrospect, after learning about food, I realized I was not being, I was not eating healthy, especially with the fats, with healthy fats, which are so important. So I was always trying to eat a very low fat diet, um, especially in college, especially in college. It was really bad because I thought fat would make me fat, but that's what they were teaching us. Um, Same with, you know, animal protein is actually the more desirable protein for people in recovery because it's the full panel of amino acids. It's much easier to get them all by eating animal protein. And at various times in my life, I was trying to cut out, you know, either become a vegetarian or not eat red meat. And from a health standpoint, it really, it's healthy to diversify because there's different vitamins and minerals in each of the proteins. It's not bad to eat a little bit of red meat. It's not, even when eating a chicken, you know, not to just eat, they used to say, eat the the lean chicken breast. But no, I mean, eat the whole chicken. And that's kind of hard to relearn, to be honest, because I'm someone who knew every calorie and every food when I was nine years old. I mean, I came from a dieting household. So again, my perspective of what was healthy was not accurate. And probably like a lot of people listening that have problems with alcohol, I would absolutely swap calories trade food calories for alcohol calories, right? So, oh, I'm not going to eat a lot of food because I'm in a drink. And then, of course, that back, backfires completely because <laughs> you get way too drunk and then you eat pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or and then you eat pizza and then you wake up and you run 10 miles because now you feel even grosser about yourself. So, you know, it just ended up being this horrible dog chasing its tail. However, I really have always been in very good health. I think that's actually what's helped me not fully succumb to alcohol. 
I did care about my health, about my weight, about being able to go for a run or go for a ride and not feel terribly hungover all the time. I couldn't imagine drinking every single day. I mean, I thought thought the binge drinking was was an okay thing. And then until it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I look back on my poor brain. I started bulimia at a very young age. Mm. So I was bulimic. And then what kind of cured me, um, or at least harm reduction, cured me of my bulimia was I became vegan. So when I went into recovery, you know, I was a marathon runner, a staunch vegan, and it, intermittent fasting, you know, all of the things that I, I think place for plant-based. I mean, I'm mostly plant-based now, not completely anymore. I do some intermittent fasting, but in the early days of my recovery, like all of those beliefs, it was like, do you want to feel better? And do you want to live? Or do you want to die? Yeah. Of, of these diet, you know, maybe they're true and maybe they're not. But right now, like my brain chemistry was just off. And consequently, I perceived myself as somebody who struggled with anxiety, mostly anxiety. And then in recovery, I was dealing with depression, you know, and and it was just my brain was so off kilter. It was sad. Well, yeah, you're starving your brain, basically. So I, I never struggled with bulimia, but I think I was borderline anorexic for sure. And by restricting food like that, it's absolutely starving. You know, you're not getting enough protein. So neurotransmitters are made out of protein, which are made out of amino acids. So if you're not eating enough protein, you're not building new neurotransmitters ever. They're depleted by stress, by alcohol or drug abuse, by um, there can be a genetic factor, environmental toxins. But like, the brain isn't, it's not a static experience. It's not, oh, this is just how I am. Although that, you know, arguably the genetic piece could be part of that, but it's certainly not a hundred percent in that you can change and replenish neurotransmitters and build them up in your brain. So you don't feel that anxiety and anxiety is related to low omega-3 fatty acids if you're very low in omega-3 fatty acids, that can lead to, that can bring on anxiety. If you're low in serotonin, if you're low in GABA, also a vegan lifestyle. And I know I'm sure there's vegans out there listening. And I, I do respect any way anybody ever wants to eat. It's eat in peace. However, eating no protein at all in the form of even an egg is really not the healthiest way to eat. And that could be another whole conversation, but at least trying to bring in eggs, perhaps some fish. Yeah. As a person who has practiced being vegan, not just for health reasons, but for moral reasons, Mm -hmm. I, I just invite my clients, first of all, you do you and everything is give or take, like there's no right or wrong. There's just what you do and how it's going. But I would recommend anybody who's open, which not everybody is, and that's okay, but anybody who's open to suspend some of those, like if you want to live by those ideals, the best way to do that is get yourself to a place where you're healthy and your brain functions. And so even if you suspend, you know, some of those practices for three months, six months, a year, and then 
because I have experienced healing in my brain, the amino acids, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I used those for a little bit. And over time, I don't need the support anymore. So what does it mean to heal the brain and to be healed-ish or mm-hmm. better? Well, the brain, again, the neurotransmitters are the chemical messengers in the brain. And for the purpose of this conversation, there's four. There's serotonin, catecholamines, um, endorphins, and GABA. And any one of those, if they are depleted, are going to cause symptoms. So as I mentioned earlier, depletion can be from alcohol, drugs, stress, lack of sleep. There can be a genetic component. There can be environmental toxin exposure that that causes these depletions. And when the brain is depleted, that's depending on which neurotransmitter system is depleted, it causes the symptoms. And by replenishing the missing amino acid that will basically fill that system up again, they turn into new neurotransmitters by using these capsules in five to 10 minutes, just like that. And so depending on how depleted you are, you might have to use the capsules for two months. You might have to use them for six months, for 10 months. And then you get to this as needed basis that you're at and that that I'm at as well. So I guess a shorter answer would be that the brain is not static, as you said earlier, it's fluctuating, right? Depending on um, the amount of stress you're under, depending on how you're eating, if you're using alcohol, it it is a fluid state, right? So if you're in in a situation where you're not eating for whatever reason, you'll be more depleted and thus more prone to anxiety, depression, overstress. If you're in an optimal place, you know, where your life is not difficult, you're eating properly, meaning at least half your body weight in grams of protein every day at at regular intervals, healthy fats. Those are the omega-3 fats um, found in like wild salmon and flax and walnuts and also, of course, supplements Other healthy fats would be like avocado oil, olive oil, coconut oil, all of those fats, and then um, the complex carbs. So not no white flour, no white flour, no white sugar. We're talking the carbs that have fiber in them because it's absorbed more slowly into the bloodstream and doesn't cause a blood sugar spike that results in a crash. So eating properly absolutely feeds your brain to where you can feel level and balanced and optimal. Can you explain in lay term, you know, a simple explanation, whether it be alcohol or sugar or white flour, how do those things cause a depletion? If you are eating optimally, why is pouring a bunch of alcohol on that a bad idea at the biochemical level? You know, what causes the depletion? Right. Well, because it's the drug, the alcohol, I mean, it is a drug, is occupying the receptor sites that these neurotransmitters, it's the like the lock and key, if you remember from biology at all, but there's receptor sites 
the GABA, for instance, is the primary inhibitory neurotransmitter, and there's a limited number of receptor sites. So when people drink alcohol because they're stressed, it will ends up binding to those receptor sites that are supposed to be for your natural GABA. So then you don't, then your natural GABA is depleted and you're not able to produce it yourself because you're drinking alcohol to do what the GABA should naturally be doing. Okay. And it's, it's like a vicious cycle. Does that make sense? So like the body downregulates the production of GABA? Yes. Yes. Whatever. Okay. So your yes, body- Yes, exactly. Changes your brain chemistry in that by putting something into your brain that kind of shouldn't be there or that alters the function of the brain, the, the way the brain supplies those lock and keys, it stops making the keys and right. alcohol's in there. It okay. stops making the keys, right? And the other keys are going into those receptors. And so that would be for, again, any of those neurotransmitter systems I mentioned earlier, um, there's predictable patterns. Like if someone's abusing cocaine, it would be the catecholamines because those drive dopamine. They're uppers. You would never do cocaine if you were trying to calm down. With alcohol, it it's across all the systems, which makes it an even more potent drug, really, that people can use alcohol to, some people use it to escape and numb out, that would be for low endorphins. They can use it to alleviate anxiety and stress. That's GABA, uh, to alleviate depression and feelings of hopelessness and fear. That would be low serotonin. So the different locks and keys that we talked about, depending on what you're using, if you're using alcohol, can actually end up blocking all of those. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So take that a step further. Can you explain then if we're deficient because of our diet, why does alcohol, sugar, whatever else we might be using, why why does it end up feeling like medicine? You know, I remember drinking and thinking, this is what I need. You know, this is my yeah. <laughs> And sometimes I was drinking to calm down. Sometimes I wanted to feel more connected. Sometimes my brain was just running off leash, a horse left the barn. But that was me telling myself why I was craving the drink that wasn't actually mm -hmm. on the biochemical level. Why does alcohol and sugar or whatever feel yeah. like medicine to us? Comfort. And I'm glad you mentioned sh sugar too, because that is one that a lot of people swap from alcohol, if, if they're quitting alcohol, but there's a massive link between sugar and alcohol. And um, why does it feel like medicine? Because it's binding to those receptor sites that are depleted, basically. I mean, it's that's what that sugar rush, that sugar feeling when you have a craving for sugar. Okay, I'm craving the sugar because why? Because I'm feeling a little low on energy right now. And then you eat the sugar and you're like, ah, oh, that feels really good. So it's the same idea is that you're in that situation depleted in the catecholamines, the dopamine, adrenaline, noradrenaline, and needing something to bring you back up to normal to, to give you that little boost. And it's just... You could, you could already, I mean, originally be 
depleted. And so you're used to using something else to self-medicate to feel better. But interestingly, that's how with the amino acid capsules, when you find the right one, it's like you have that same exact feeling like, oh my God, this is the medicine. This is what I've needed my whole life. Like people will try tyrosine, which drives dopamine. This was me. I mean, I'd never, I took it. I couldn't believe it. I'm looking around going, no, this can't be real. Like all of a sudden the world is in full color and leaves on the trees have individual Pretend it was like, used to be just like this big green blob. And then now I can actually see leaves on the trees. And that's, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but honestly, it's because I was so depleted in the catecholamine. So dopamine deficient, basically. And there's like certain characteristics where you can identify if that's who you are. If you mean, if you're deficient in dopamine, you're usually like a risk taker, kind of a driven person, you know, you're the two speeds either on or off, not in the middle. Um, people that are driven by dopamine usually are not, how do I say this? If it's, if you're dopamine deficient, means you're always craving more, right? For like being up. So a relapse might happen for that person if they're so up and they just want to be more up, right? Like, okay, this feels good, but now I want it to feel even better. But not everybody relates to that because the people who are deficient in GABA are only using alcohol to, they're already, they're anxious and they want to just be down. They want to be down, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So that's the good way to figure out which of the amino acids to use to help bring your brain back to normal. And then another interesting thing was like, a lot of people like to say they have an addictive personality, you might hear that, but there's actually no such thing as an addictive. It's not a personality. It's a probably like in your case, I'm because I know you a little bit too low catecholamine. Yeah. If you're going to say, you know, you have low catecholamines and people are, there's books written about it. Um, Dr. Kenneth Blum wrote a book about this D2 receptor gene that some people just don't have. I mean, there's this other whole epigenetic component to this that I'm certainly not skilled in talking about, but you could be born without certain receptors. So that's like related to ADD, ADHD, I think Tourette's syndrome. Guilty, guilty, fuck that. Yes, I'm guilty. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Me too. Like I just was devouring the information. I think it's called, I'm looking up here because I have his book up here, Overload, it's called. There's all kinds of studies. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. So just to reflect what I heard, uh, the addiction, air quotes around that gene aside, what the genetic component may actually be is not a proclivity to grab a drink of alcohol, but it's certain dopamine receptors or catecholamine or endorphins, or it's something off in your brain chemistry that causes a behavior where you want to seek more of that. And what you're describing for sure described me, you know, I was an adrenaline junkie. I wanted, I took Adderall. I drank coffee by the carafe, not the cup. Mm -hmm. You know, I was always go, 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 go. And probably burning myself, not probably for sure burning myself out. But so that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. It's called reward deficiency syndrome is yeah. what he coined it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Reward deficiency syndrome is the 
a flaw in the rewards cascade where a person without this condition would be satisfied with the one drink or the one piece of candy. And the person who does not have that genetic chemical makeup needs more. That's the most layman way I can explain it. Well, to speak to your point, as I round the corner on my own three years of sobriety, and the first year was me grasping for everything, you know, didn't know about amino acid therapy, intermittent fasting, vegan, you know, all those things. To speak to your addictive personality, I now no longer feel like I have that. Now it's more of a belief that when I catch it, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I look for all the evidence of how I've learned to control myself. So I guess what's interesting is that perhaps I have a genetic proclivity for being out of balance, but since I've reintroduced some meat in my diet and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with my diet based on a little bit, I'm not going to say better science because I believe in plant-based science and nutrition. However, I don't think it, it all, certainly in recovery where I had, 50 years of brain chemistry that I needed to correct. Yes. The shortest distance for me was to put aside my desire to be fully plant-based and just focus on the medicine. If I was willing to drink alcohol for, you know, 35 years, I feel like I can get through some red meat for a year, you know? And so I find that I don't have an addictive personality anymore. I don't even drink coffee. Like I'm very careful what I put into my system because I do believe that I have a a homeostasis or whatever we call that. I, I feel like I'm in balance and just the littlest bit of anything can nudge me off. And so I'm like, yeah. no thanks to almost everything, including alcohol now. I, I wouldn't want it, not because it's wrong or bad, but because right. I have enough you know, problems with high cortisol levels and dopamine. Like, I don't need to throw my system out of whack. I, I can relate to every single word you're saying on a personal level as well, because I absolutely feel like I had that you know, risk-taking, dopamine-driven personality, um, lots of like like high lows. Every once in a while, I was like, oh my gosh, am I bipolar? You know, I mean, even, even to elaborate more on that, and, you know, this is personal, but I'll share it here, is getting a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder, getting a diagnosis of panic disorder, uh, two things that, that I received, you know, um, after having my first son, And then identifying, like feeling like, oh, that's what I have. I still remember that thinking, you know, I never really thought like I'm having that experience right now, but it wasn't something that I'd had my whole life. Um, And then being diagnosed that and kind of like put in that box, you know, and being offered pharmaceuticals where just like you, after going through and learning how to eat, I wasn't vegetarian for very long at all. So I I didn't have that same experience, but I absolutely had the experience of restricting food, of trying intermittent fasting. Food is the enemy, you know, just, I'm just going to try to control my food. (laughs) That caused a lot of anxiety for sure. Just that, I mean, that lots of what I'm describing is low serotonin symptoms too. Low serotonin can be caused, um, 90% of serotonins in your gut haven't even started to talk about gut health yet. It's supremely important 
to eat cultured foods, to eat the good bacteria in like sauerkraut and kimchi, fermented foods, probiotics are a good idea. And then even backing up a second on that, like prebiotics that are like the fertilizer for the probiotics. Those are the high fiber foods that help kind of plant the seeds so your your good bacteria can grow. Back then taking, they used to prescribe antibiotics for um, acne. I had really bad acne and it took so many antibiotics and nobody ever said to take probiotics. I mean, there's so many components to health. There's another. Antibiotics. It's amazing. Any of us can complete a sentence by the time we get to 50. I mean, by the time I know, I know. And then, well, I wanted to like just finish my thought on what you said about that. You, I think that's incredible. And I'm happy to hear that you did consider eating some red meat and some eggs and like we said, you know, I will respect for moral reasons, for whatever reason, someone's trying to eat the certain way, but, but, you know, at what cost, that's where I tell people, why not just give it a little try, like just see. And then yes, later, maybe you can go back to being 95% plant-based, but for now, let's get your brain online. Let's get you healthy and we pour alcohol down, you know, oh yeah, I can drink two bottles of wine and black out, but God forbid I, <laughs> you know, God forbid I do anything like, you know, I eat that lamb or um, take pills. Like for me, it'd be like, oh, I can't take an Advil. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't have used eyeliner that, you know, was non-organic. Oh, oh my God. Perfect example. Yeah. But for sure, you know, and of course, all the wine I drank was organic and organic. You know, vodka was five or six times distilled. So I did have standards. They were just the wrong ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Good. For, I actually didn't even have all those standards. It made me feel very inauthentic and out of integrity. That really, at the end of the day, just started to feel really bad where it was like, oh, I'm presenting as this person that's so healthy and, you know, yeah, only buying organic and reading every label and working out yet going to the drugstore. I like drugstore alcohol. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just not. And, and I know I'm not the only person there. It's really an age-old tale, right, of people presenting themselves one way, yet yeah. behind the scenes things are different. And that, to me, became so difficult where it was just like, some, you know, I've got to figure this out. And thank God, yeah, I mean, thank God I did link it to my diet I learned about amino acids. I learned that all of these little diagnoses that had been placed upon me or that I was diagnosing myself as really didn't apply. I mean, I think the first thing people, if I could give any advice would be to, you know, food is medicine. Food is where it all starts. We're made up of food. Every bite we take is making ourselves are constantly turning over too. And we don't think about that, like how, I mean, fingernails are protein, right? <laughs> Hair, um, it has to be a balanced diet. We need fats. Your cells in your brain are lined with lipids, which are fats. I mean, it's important. A lot of times people just 
will double their like double fish oil dosing and all of a sudden they're feeling less depressed. The link with anxiety and animal protein consumption is huge. I mean, there's several clients I can think of right now that were finally like, yeah, I'll try some chicken. I'll try some eggs. And then they're like, wow. Yeah. I feel a lot better. <laughs> well, what's amazing is we can't fault ourselves because, you know, we, no. we grow up in a culture. I was in the eighties and basically we were taught as females, at least that our we're enemies with our body and it's a war yep. it's game on. And the less I can eat, the cooler, the better, the sexier I'm going to be. And then we yes. go to the doctor and we have all these symptoms and, you know, they might say, are you, are you eating? I don't even know if they asked that. Nobody ever seemed to care how much alcohol, you know, I always was like, oh, I drink two to three drinks in a setting, two to three days a week. That was my standard answer. And <laughs> then, you know, of course I reported a healthy diet, but nobody, they just passed out drugs for anxiety and depression. I mean, I had a pill bag that was bigger than my grandma's when I was 30 and I'm yeah. washing all down with alcohol and I'm friends with the doctor. I've been friends with doctors and we're all drinking together. So nobody's yeah. connecting the dots. And so we go no. and so I really feel like there's a big, huge space for self-compassion here. We just didn't know. We didn't know. And our parents didn't know. And I've had to make peace with that. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, I feel so sad for my nine-year-old self that literally counted calories. I was on a diet. My parents were always dieting. Yeah. Um, I have three kids. They're teenagers now, 16, 17, and 19. And I remember when they were around 9, 10, 11, looking at them and thinking, I can't believe I was that age yeah. and I was counting calories. I was sticking my finger down my throat at eight. At eight, Eight. See, I mean, this is, and then, and you know, yeah, my parents, my dad, oh, hopefully he's not listening to this, but <laughs> valued thin women over anything. I mean, the figure always talking about what her figure looked like. Oh, that person's like fat was bad. I mean, that has taken a lot of reprogramming, really. Yeah. It was, it was growing up for me. So I'm 54. And that would be like in the seven, like late seventies, I know it was definitely when I started paying attention to calories and food. And I've been keeping a journal since I was in kindergarten. And I literally read stuff that I wrote at the age of nine and 10, where my friend Emily and I were taking, oh, we're only going to have a thousand calories today. And then we go to swim team practice. And I mean, you're nine, you know, that's just, it's so horrible, really. I started smoking because I read an article at 15 that said, be careful if you quit smoking because smoking you'll, raises your metabolism by 25%. And I was like, I'm weight. not quitting, I'm starting. <laughs> oh my God. I read the same article, honestly. And I mean, I know exactly what you mean. So I've been thinking, oh, wow. Yeah. If you smoke, you, um, if you smoke, your metabolism is faster. But then if, yeah, if you quit, you're going to get fat. So no women problem. were smoking and uh, what was the other one? It was like uh, the Cosmo. My friend and I would read Cosmopolitan and there was always some diet in there, some trick to 
okay, now we're going to do this starve yourself one day, eat the next day, starve next day. Oh, just, yeah, yeah that makes me sad. And, and, and it just completely rebel against it now, (laughs) refuse. And I've also, you mentioned intermittent fasting. And I think it's worth saying that um, we both are, we're both emphasizing that in recovery, I don't think any, any little trick that's anything that's going to get you obsessed on food timing, on restricting, it's not a good idea. I mean, the most I think fasting for a 12 hour fast is good digestive break. Um, that's the end of your meal on, so say you finish eating by seven. So eat again the next morning at 7am, um, wiggle room within two hours, but a really big important part that I haven't even mentioned yet is blood sugar regulation and how that affects whether or not your brain is literally online (laughs) because the logic center is the front brain. And if your blood sugar spikes and then dips too low, you get a surge of adrenaline and the surge of adrenaline feels like a craving. Meanwhile, your brain is no longer online. The prefrontal cortex, which is the logic center where you'd say, Hey, I, you know, I don't, drink anymore. I need to meditate. I need to take a walk. I should eat something. All of a sudden it's gone and you're in primitive brain. Primitive brain just wants to feel better again. So that's that kind of, sometimes people describe it like they they blacked out or meaning like they don't know what happened. And all of a sudden they're in the grocery store and putting, you know, a bottle of wine in their grocery basket because they were shopping and they were really hungry. So you don't want to get too hungry. It's the protein is what will keep the brain online as well as glutamine for an amino acid for blood, for blood sugar regulation. And then the food combining also just not eating carbs by themselves. And that's something that's pretty simple to do. If People can walk away with one or two easy to remember tips would be to have protein every three, four hours. And if they're eating carbs, to make sure the carbs are also with protein and that they're carbs that have fiber to slow the absorption into the bloodstream. Because just eating like a white carb or white sugar by itself spikes blood sugar and then it crashes. So we want it, we don't want it to be going way up and then way down. We want it to be even and that you just, just eating like that and timing food and combining food can make a huge difference. And then not, not restricting and not watching the clock on when you're going to eat. It just really doesn't have a place until maybe a year into it. If you really want to start, you know, do fasting for the other benefits I want to circle around to to answer the question, what is this targeted immunotherapy? (laughs) And I guess what I wanted to share that got me super interested, what caught my attention was Julia Ross's book, The Mood Cure. And I I Mm -hmm. sense that I would recommend anybody who's not super neuro heady, really into deep science, the, the mood cure or excuse me, the craving cure is what I would recommend, kind of more of a lay person level. The mood yeah. cure was real deep. 
Um, great, great. But if I had to recommend one or the other, I'd start with the, the Craving Cure by Julia Ross. But the statistic, you know, she's done all of that research with using nutrition and a targeted amino acid therapy. And people who go to rehab, not including nutrition, possibly supplements, they have a 10 to 20%, let's air quote around success rate, meaning they don't really sustain the changes and they usually end up going back and possibly getting worse. Whereas her approach using nutrition and amino acid therapy or other supplements, she's got, you know, touting 75 to 80%. Not only are they maintaining it, but they're four and five days into a protocol, they're not experiencing any symptoms of mm-hmm. the anxiety, the depression, the withdrawal, the post-acute withdrawal syndrome. And for mm-hmm. me, that was really where I, I was looking for relief from post-acute withdrawal syndrome when I found mm-hmm that statistic and her work. So can you explain a little bit about what is this targeted amino acid therapy? Yeah, sure. And yeah, just to give Julia kudos, she, um, I consider her close friend and a mentor. She actually lives not too far away from me. And the minute I latched on to this piece in when I was in school at Bowman College, I called her and said, hey, I need to meet you. I read her book, so I agree with you. So the mood cure and the craving cure would be the the two top ones. And yes, the craving cure for what we're talking about here specifically is probably an easier read. And so amino acid therapy is something that Julia invented. She's the pioneer of amino acid therapy. And back in the 1970s, she developed a chart where she identified those four main neurotransmitter systems that, that I've been mentioning, the serotonin, catecholamines, GABA, and endorphin, and developed five to 10 symptoms that lead to, okay, if a person has that symptom, it it would indicate that they're deficient. So she calls each of the deficiencies a different craving type. So you could be a stressed craver, a fatigued craver, a crashed craver, and the questions are, are such that, oh, are you reaching for sugar? Do you find yourself drawn to the doughy type foods? Is chocolate particularly beloved? I mean, believe it or not, each of those lines have a different neurotransmitter system attached to it. Like people who like really crave chocolate are potentially low in endorphins. So anyway, it's per chart based way of deciphering which neurotransmitter system is depleted based on what kinds of cravings you're having and why you're craving. And then for each of those systems, there are targeted amino acids that go with them. So low serotonin would be either tryptophan or 5-HTP. Low GABA, um, GABA would be the first. GABA is a neurotransmitter system and an amino acid. The catecholamines would be tyrosine, and then endorphins are either DLPA or D-phenylalanine by itself. And by trialing that particular amino acid that corresponds with your deficiency, you will know within five minutes 
you will get that positive feeling if that's the one that's depleted. So like we were talking about earlier, how when you said, oh, you drink alcohol and it feels like medicine, this would be like, okay, you're low in GABA because you have stress cravings and you're drawn to sugar. So you're trialing GABA. You're starting very low, 100 milligrams. Amino acid supplements are little capsules. You open it up, right? Put it on your tongue and wait five to 10 minutes. And within five to 10 minutes, you will feel, in the case of GABA, less stressed, right? More relaxed. And if you don't, you try another one in that same dose. And you keep going until you get that positive reaction. So that's what she calls the trialing process because it's all biofeedback. Everybody has their own bio-unique dose. So once you figure out which amino acid to use for your symptoms, then you trial it. And I have some clients that take like, a fingertip dose, and then others are taking six capsules, which is 3,000 milligrams all at once. So it's super individualized. I do find people that are have alcohol use disorder or over drinking, they tend to need more than other people for people that are just um, dealing with mood but aren't abusing alcohol. But so that's her process was having developed this chart, identifying the symptoms, trialing the correlating amino acids. And then once you find the ones that work for you, you take them on a regular basis. And again, I'm trained in um, helping people move through this process. Actually, I also have a course that kind of walks people through step-by-step on what to do and how to do it. And you take your dose for, like I said, two to six months usually. And then you can... Once you're feeling balanced, you can finish out the bottle and then give it two weeks and see, like, do I need, do I still need them? If you do, you can just start up again. There's no building up and there's no titrating off. It's all natural and your body really does tell you. So I'm like, I used to take them on a schedule. I had three specific amino acids I was taking based on that chart. And I took them on a schedule for about three months and then stopped taking them for a while. Now I really just use as needed. I use tyrosine sometimes in the morning if I'm feeling kind of unfocused. And the other one I'll use is GABA, which will be usually later in the day if I'm feeling stressed. But I don't need a lot of GABA, very little GABA. And I should say, which we didn't say at the beginning of this call, I am not a doctor. I don't diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. Always check check with your doctor before starting any new supplement or food plan. And there's there are precautions also. And there's a whole precautions worksheet that I have people fill out before they start For instance, if you have very high blood pressure, you need to be very careful with the amino acids for the for low catecholamines, like with tyrosine. If you have very low blood pressure, you need to be careful with GABA and so forth. So there's a whole little checklist. Yeah. And if you're on psych meds, I think there's some precautions, you know, if you're taking SSRIs or something. But okay, so I want to expose the way my mind works for the next question. As a drinker, I had the mindset that if one is good, five is better. 
<laughs> I did not appreciate the being subtle. I wanted a sledgehammer. And so when I first got into this, I went looking for a supplement blend or an amino acid powder that just would kill all the birds with one stone because it is the the amino acids, except for precautionary things that you should pay attention to. The worst case scenarios, if you get too much is you might have to take some vitamin C to neutralize something. Yep. So my question, is it possible to skip over the trialing and just go straight to some sort of broad supplement that would just allow you to not have to think so hard? Does that make sense? It does, because a lot of times people are deficient in all of the categories. That happens a lot, right? And then that's a lot of capsules. There is a formulation that my uh, partner resource, Chris Scott of Fit Recovery, developed called Bio Rebalance. It's a blend, like you said, of most of the amino acids. It also has the I didn't even mention the cofactors, which are extremely important to make sure that there's B6, magnesium, potassium. We already said vitamin C in a smaller dose, zinc. All those are really important also because those convert the amino acids into neurotransmitters. And this formulation actually has those nutrients as well. So I can give you the name of it and the link. They can... If anybody's listening and they want to use that, I have a a coupon for that. That's a good idea in the beginning. If you go through the chart and you're like, yeah, I'm deficient everywhere. I just need to feel better. And it's a scoop powder where it's like a berry flavored drink. You just drink it. The people that use it that are deficient everywhere, they like it. And then once that, I look at that as like a blanket, it, takes care of a lot of it, but not everything. And so then you still have some things that are popping up and then, but instead of having to take, yeah, you're taking tryptophan and GABA and tyrosine and DPA and blah, blah, blah separately that you're just drinking this thing for two weeks and then go through the chart and then you can really hone in on it. So that's actually a really good question. Someone else I'm partnered with is in the process of developing one that's even more robust, if you will, because there is nothing else. I've looked at everything on the market. I have a dispensary at full script. None of the amino blends are anything that would help. The amount is so tiny in the other blends that I've seen that it wouldn't, you'd have to like consume the entire canister. This bio rebalance, he did bump it up. There's a couple things that are missing that I'd like to see where this other partner of mine is actually developing another formulation right now, but it's not ready yet. To speak to that, I scoured the internet and if I could have found how to get to the dark web, I'd have gone there too, but the (laughs) amounts were so small. And by the time I figured it out, I was a year into recovery I did have very specific, and I had spent a year getting in touch with my body. So I wasn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't just looking for a, I wanted to fix my problem, but having educated myself on the very specific neurotransmitters, it's not that I wouldn't have taken a broad base to just kill it all 
or to get it all, to solve it all. I know what you mean. Yeah. They didn't, I, I couldn't find one. And then what I love about amino acid supplements is unlike everything else you buy, it is an immediate biofeedback to your point. Oh yeah. There is nothing cooler than having that sugar craving or having that mood dip or having like, for me, I, I'll use GABA for stress and going, and some of it may be the, the process of just like I used to use wine. I probably felt more relaxed before I took my first sip just because mentally this is what oh, I know. Right. But I love being able to specifically target. It just appeals to the way I think. Um, mm-hmm. I love being able mm-hmm. to specifically target different symptoms and any other supplement you take, adaptogens, which I believe in all of it, but it takes weeks and then you're yeah. never sure if it's working. Yeah, you don't know. And you're like, what? And I, I feel exactly the same. I should have mentioned also the other one. I, I put different emotions in. When I'm teaching people, I have like different worksheets and, and stuff that I can offer for that. But where for me, if I feel sad, if I feel like withdrawn and low, not only does tyrosine help me, but endorphogen, definitely. Like I just have this, I know this feeling in myself and I know when I take my DPA, it goes away. It is not in my head. Like I absolutely know, oh my gosh, it's gone. Like I don't feel sad anymore. Lithium orotate is another one. It's actually not an amino acid, but it's a really good mood stabilizer. So uh, lithium orotate is another one that if I start to just feel kind of depressed, when I, I call it like depressed for no reason. I'm just low and I don't know why I'm low. And I take it and it's very subtle, but it definitely brings me back up. It brings me back up to like baseline. And that's, after, yeah, like several years of learning how these amino acids act in my body at what dose. I know my dosing. I know when I feel a certain way, what to take. Like with GABA, I'll take 2000 milligrams before going to the dentist. It's a natural Valium. I mean, if I took 2000 milligrams when I'm not anxious, I'd be passed out in bed. So, you know, it just, I tell people all the time, it takes a while just be patient, you know, like you said, is self-compassion, self-love, be patient with ourselves and take the time to figure out what works because it's so worth it. It's, I feel like I have this little, like you said, the little pharmacy that I can carry around. And I know I, if I have a certain feeling, I can, I can medicate it without alcohol. <laughs> Like I, I it's amazing. in my closet, I have the, my amino acid bar and it, it's a throwback to my old, you know, I used to keep vodka in my closet. So we've come a long way, baby. Well, yes. Good for I you. Think the appeal for a listener is like, okay, where do you start a general blend or a targeted amino acid therapy where you're getting specific is once you've, you've done everything that you can to stabilize your diet then it really is very rewarding to treat a symptom immediately and see an immediate, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can't say that if I'm sad that I take something and it changes it, it's more that it neutralizes it. I don't know Mm -hmm. how else to say that. It's not like a drug where now I'm high or it just neutralizes it. And, and that's, that's the word I have for it. It neutralizes it. So it's no longer a rock in my shoe. It doesn't alter 
you know, my thinking, it, it just, it, it, it brings me back up to an even playing field or so that I can use my other tools, but I highly recommend learning the targeted amino acid therapy. And so can you tell listeners, and as we started, I have worked with you and it is so fun to develop these tools. It's a lifelong toolkit that you get to bring with you. And then in the future, you know, after you stabilize alcohol use disorders, stress, life happens, you know, and to be able to know that there's a toolkit with medication, you know, that you can Mm -hmm. administer. Mm -hmm. and And it's a, it's a skill to learn your dose, but can you tell what, what it's like to work with you, how to work with you? Sure. Yes. So uh, right now I actually have two different courses going on. One is just specific how to trial amino acids. It's where I extracted it from a larger course and it's really just step-by-step what I talked about earlier in this interview. Um, It includes a trialing kit that Julia Ross's office created for my business. So it has a sampling of each amino acid needed. This would be for people that don't have an arsenal of amino acid supplements and don't know, you know, if people buy them and they're like, oh, these don't work. It's like, well, you never learned how to use them. So if you don't have the arsenal, you can get this in within this course, we get a sampling kit and step-by-step instructions on how to use them, how to trial them, how to determine your unique dose, how to write up a daily schedule for yourself, um, short and sweet. And then I also have a very comprehensive course that is seven nutritional foundations for brain balance. It starts with base supplementation. That's your fish oil, magnesium, glutathione, B vitamins. I explain why I recommend each of those. There's links to my full script dispensary where people can order the supplements from me. That's step one. Step two is amino acid therapy. So that's everything I just described in step two of this larger course. Step three is blood sugar regulation. Step four is gut health. Step five is eat real food. That's the whole food course. Step six is look for food allergies, um, intolerances, or sensitivities. And step seven is exercise. So those are the seven foundations, seven pillars, if you will, of that I have identified from working with people for almost five years now for a complete, you know, A to Z, one to seven health panel. And I've got a group of about 30 people so far. It's a 16 week from when you join, you have 16 weeks, unlimited questions to me. And then every other week, there's a group call where people can bring in any questions. They can bring in their forms and have me analyze them. And the group's extremely supportive. It's all HIPAA protected. You can be completely anonymous if you want. HIPAA protected means it's, you know, it's not on Facebook, it's not email, it's in a portal that's secure. And that was really important to me because this is medical, you know, this is people's medical information, right? Yeah. So those are the two offerings. And then people can always add calls on with me one-on-one. I really, I'm keeping it to the courses and then we go to the one-on-one if people need more support. 
So and I always have free discovery calls. So I'll put a link to your website and then it'll have the, the two different courses. It does. Yeah. So right on the first page is the nutritional foundations for a balanced brain. That's the seven step course. And then the how to trial your amino acids is the mini course. That's just about the amino acids. And those are all on my website, nutritionforrecovery.com. And people can also set up a 20 minute discovery call with me if they would like. And that's also available on the website. All right. Give me your biggest win with a client. Like hot mess shows up, <laughs> 16 <laughs> later comes out. Like, can you just like before and after it, just either g- general or specific? Oh, wow. I have two that are coming to mind from either extreme. So um, the one was an extreme, extreme case where the client was actually drinking rubbing alcohol He lived in a very remote village where he couldn't get alcohol all the time. And if he ran out, he couldn't necessarily replenish it. So he actually routinely started getting into the habit of drinking rubbing alcohol and also hand sanitizer. And it was severe. And we, (laughs) but, and he was on all of the aminos. He was the most willing and open you know, he did the work. This this doesn't work if it's one-sided. You know, it, I gave him a full recommendation after he trialed them of what to take and when to take it. And it was it was very aggressive. And he is sober like five months now. He never he once he started taking the aminos, he actually he could not believe it. His cravings all went away because he just, he wants to be drinking rubbing alcohol, you know, but he would crave it. He couldn't. So yeah. So that was it. Plus diet. His diet was already not bad, but we brought in more. He was very much animal protein, but we brought in the right amount of protein. We brought in a lot of um, fish oil too. I would say those were the biggies. And, And then all of the individual amino acids in very high doses. So he was taking a lot of capsules, but he is now five months sober. So that's that would be the extreme on one side. And the other one was just a real simple story that to me, it was just giving somebody back their life with their family where this woman was so, um, you know, I can't, I'm not really supposed to say depressed because I'm not a doctor, but she felt so depressed. She felt so low. She Instead of playing with her kids, she would drink. She hated herself. So she came to me. She would drink like a bottle of wine over the course of a day, never really wasted, but never fully present. And she just couldn't figure out how to stop doing that. And as we got into our conversations, it turned out she was actually trying to do the intermittent fasting and she was trying to not eat until 12. And that is a perfect example of how she waited so long to eat any protein or anything that already her brain was completely offline. So that's when she's like, once in a while, I would just start drinking wine because I hadn't eaten. So I'm just going to start drinking. And then she was very strict with the one bottle per day over many, many hours. So we really just brought in, we did bring in other amino acids, but I, I had her start eating a protein, high protein breakfast at 9 a.m., which was very hard for her at first, very hard. But little by little, she started eating that breakfast and she's just like, 
it is night and day, but she just could not even believe how much eating a protein-filled breakfast brought her to where she did not. And she was using glutamine too. So for her, it was a lot of blood sugar issues, but that she finally just was like in tears saying, I'm on the floor, finally playing with my kids again. Like, you know, on when I say on the floor, <laughs> you know, when the kids are little, like you're just down there with them and into it and present and not thinking about where's your wine and how can you keep this buzz going? And she, she was able to quit within like two or three days and then she was, this was last year, but the last time I spoke with her, she had like eight months. She just never looked back. She didn't want to ever get back to that place. So that's the power of brain chemistry. And yep. I know as, as somebody who thought better living through chemistry and constantly, you know, I, I wanted the sledgehammer of alcohol. Like I used to joke that I relax with meditation after I have had three glasses of wine. It's amazing. <laughs> And to realize that the answer really is the subtleties, which aren't subtle, but it's the nutrition and just the basic self-care of eating and fueling your body, fueling your brain. I mean, I love that story because I identify with it. You know, that that's a lot closer with my intermittent fasting. I was so diet rigid and body mm-hmm. and all of that and just mm-hmm. giving myself what I needed you know, of course, the amino acid supplements helped, but yeah. just realizing that the problem here is you is you feel depleted because you are. <laughs> right. You feel depleted That's, because you are. And it's that are. self-care is eating. And like we said, you know, as we were brought up where it was like food was the enemy and we're against ourselves, it's like we have to eat. I mean, why not make it something that's a beautiful experience and there's all this attention on self-care. And if we can put that attention into the foods we're actually putting in our bodies, it's amazing how all of a sudden the alcohol doesn't sound good anymore. And it's, it is, it's a toxin. There's no benefit to drinking alcohol. And if people are and trying to lose weight, it's the worst. It Your body has to metabolize alcohol first before anything else. And so it's not doing you any favors in that department either. Unless I guess we're doing the massive, you know, trading alcohol for calories for food calories, in which case we're back to where we're very, yeah, okay, you're thin, but <laughs> you're I'll very deficient and you're... <laughs> Thin, drunk is myself, for example. Yeah. Oh, but you think you're bipolar because (laughs) it's so it's so wonderful to be to feel balanced and to have come from a place where I know what it feels like to not be balanced. And it's I just wish that my wish for everybody is that they would give the food and the amino acid supplements a shot because you know. It, it works. It a hundred percent works. So, well, we'll end with that. I so enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please take the time to rate and review the show so that other people can find it. I really appreciate it. And check out the show notes for any resources I've mentioned, including links to follow me on Instagram. And join my private Facebook group where I connect with my tribe every day. I love it in there and we have so much fun. And finally, if you're ready to redefine sobriety so that you can feel excited about quitting drinking, 
Follow the link to my 10 Days to Spontaneous Sobriety course, where I will help you eliminate, eradicate, obliterate, cancel your desire to drink. Because looking and feeling your best is addictive too. I'll see you soon.